The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. Go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to another episode of Nitro Nights, a WCW Look Back podcast proudly brought to you by the SJP World Media Network. My name is Sai. And joining me, as always, with a new little segment for the show, which we're going to come to in a moment or two, the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are we doing, my friend? I'm very well, thank you, mate. How's yourself? Pretty good, mate. Pretty good. Um, Looking forward to getting into this episode of Nitro with you, because I think it's quite... Well, I think there's a few talking points, but maybe not always in a positive way. But we will get to that shortly as we run through the episode. Uh, The episode we are looking at, as always, we are going in date order from the first Nitro right the way through to the end of the company. And we have reached the July 22nd, 1996 episode of Monday Nitro. Again, coming to us from the Disney MGM studios uh, on this particular evening. Ratings were dying all over the place, Danny, by the looks of it. Raw received a 2.2. Nitro won the night again with just a 2.6. So that's, you know, a a big drop, if you combine the numbers, a big drop from previous weeks. And I kind of tried to have a little look into what was going on around this time that maybe caused that. Because it's not like... I mean, in previous weeks when we looked at the ratings, we've seen when Nitro has gone up, Raw has gone down. And vice versa. So it's people choosing what to, the wrestling fans that are already there, they're remote in their hand, choosing what to watch. And we've seen the overall number steadily grow a little bit as new fans are being attracted. But on the whole, it tends to be the similar, similar complete total numbers across the two shows. But here it's been a big drop. Like there's just a group of people not watching wrestling tonight. So I tried to have a little look into why that might be. And it turns out the Olympics started the previous Friday night in Atlanta, in the United States, and they had numerous events on on various different channels on the Monday evening. So I wonder if that paid into why people weren't watching wrestling as much that particular night. Oh, definitely. Uh, the Olympics is massive. Um, wow, that, that just shocked me because it goes back to that revisionist history, doesn't it, of um, even on WCW's side, it's like when the NWO came, everything went up, but... As we see here, um, they had a week where they where everything didn't go up. 
Yeah, I mean, it's still a win for Nitro, don't get me wrong, but the fact that they're winning with a 2.6, I think, shows that there's just not that many people pressing the button for wrestling on their remote on this particular evening. Uh, On Monday Night Raw, on this particular evening, we have the usual batch of mid-96 kind of crap, really. Uh, Mankind, not saying Mankind's crap, I'm sure imagination, but Mankind defeated Freddie Joe Floyd. Uh, Goldust defeated Barry Horowitz. Mark Miro defeated the goon. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and in your main event, Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson defeated the smoking guns by disqualification. Yeah. So not masses going on there at all, really. Uh-huh. So again, you can see why people are choosing nitro above raw, but yeah, not as many eyeballs on either product this particular week. No, maybe they were going to tune in to see Kurt Angle win the uh, Olympics. Wow, good shot. Yeah, good shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we mentioned at the top of the show a brand new little segment, and it's one that I know is going to make Danny very, very happy. Since this show started, some, what would it be, 60-ish episodes ago, roughly a year and a, and a bit ago, uh, we said that we're going to watch all of WCW from the first Nitro going forwards. That's the whole sort of premise of our podcast so you know all the nitros the pay-per-views the clash of champions when thunder starts we're going to start adding that to our rotation as well and we're going to go for everything they produced in date order danny has kept badgering me about bloody saturday night and (laughs) long-term listeners to the show will know that i keep telling danny to shut up and um (laughs) but Over the course of the last couple of months, one or two things have happened on Saturday nights that we have had to discuss. So rather than adding Saturday night to our uh, our sort of schedule of things we're going to watch each episode of Nitro Nights, we're going to have a little segment at the start of the show where Danny's going to give us some talking points as to what happened on Saturday night that week prior to the episode of Nitro we are covering. Uh, Again, because certain moments or or certain things have occurred on saturday night but at the same time there's probably not enough there with regards to the main storylines for us to cover it you know match by match minute by minute danny is there no there's certainly not um to steal one of your words there's a lot of dross in this uh saturday night show (laughs) (laughs) so then for the very first time let's hear uh danny's look at saturday night WCW Saturday Night is brought to you by me, Scottish Danny. Well, uh, Saturday Night, this edition was July the 20th and it was taped on July 16th. And we had just, when we've mentioned this a couple of times on the Nitros, there are a lot of matches that feel like Saturday Night. So I'm going to run through the matches and I want your reaction to each of them, Si. Okay. <laughs> so we start off with the faces of fear beating the American males. That feels very, you know, mid nineteen ninety five to me. Mm, definitely, and even worse, um, we have uh, Mike Enos versus Eddie Guerrero. Oh, okay. Okay, that's a bit of a, yeah. a crossover from the generations, isn't it? Because when you say Mike Enos, I always think Beverly Brothers. So to me, that's you know, well, the AWA uh, yeah. Wrecking Crew tag team was very was late eighties, and then of course we had the Beverly Brothers early nineties. And Eddie Guerrero, I always think of being uh, a, a big star in the business 
in the 2000s. So to me, that's yeah. two generations almost crossing over, I think. Yeah. And uh, one of your favourites, Dean Malenko versus Mark Starr happened. I don't know who Mark Starr is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and making his WCW debut, Chavo Guerrero defeated Bobby Eaton. Ah, okay. I bet that was a decent watch one because Bobby Eaton's fantastic and we all know how good Chavo is as well, don't we? Yeah, definitely. And we also have um, Harlem Heat beating Bobby Walker and Jim Powers. Bobby Walker. We've seen him, haven't we? I believe so. Um, I think your tag team match, but we're we're seeing a lot of um, Jim Powers recently, haven't we? We have, we have. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a shame, really. Um, <laughs> but we're, uh, okay. we're certainly not done by a long shot. Um, we have Lord Stephen Regal uh, defeating Disco Inferno as well. Right. Okay. Fair enough. But that, that feels Saturday night, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and uh, we have um, uh, the Steiner brothers uh, defeating Fire and Ice, and this is uh, one of three talking points because on this edition, uh, we, I mean, not to give a spoiler, but they referenced this on the Nitro that we'll be looking into, but um, the the fire of the team, Scott Norton, just walked out on ice on uh, this episode of um, Saturday Night. So the team actually teased breaking up on the previous week's Nitro, as we discussed last week. Mm-hmm. And they've actually done it on a Saturday Night taping, which I don't know how I feel about that. How do you feel about that, Si? Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you've only got so many minutes on nitro and nitro is their flagship program so nitro is kind of where again looking back historically as a fan now in 2023 you would think all the big storylines the big splits and all that sort of stuff would happen on nitro because that's their flagship show however if nothing happens on saturday night people are just stop watching so I suppose they've got to have some stuff on Saturday night because they've got this long-term deal there where they're showing it on TBS and so on. And it's a, a show they've had for many, many, many years. So it's a tricky one because they've teased it on Nitro. Yeah. We've we've also seen the Steiners versus Fire and Ice, I think, on a pay-per-view, maybe, at one stage. Yeah. You know? And then we've actually got a rematch between those two teams and the split happening on Saturday night. I suppose it does make that thing of... You can't miss Saturday night because something might happen. Mm. But at the same time, I'm I'm quite happy missing Saturday night. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a difficult balancing act, I think, my friend. Yeah. And uh, we also have in our main event, Chris Benoit defeating Big Bubba. OK. OK. Interesting. Yeah. I but, imagine that'd be a bit of a clash of styles, potentially. Oh, definitely. But I, I, what I liked about that is at least it's continuing the story of the Dungeon of Doom and the Horseman, which I really, really like. Um, mm, but we'll all get to the Dungeon this, of Doom shortly. <laughs> all of this pales in comparison side to a massive debut that happened on this uh, Saturday night. Do you not want to not Chavo Guerrero, but somebody else debuted? Go on. I've got an we idea, have, but go on. <laughs> we have a new member of the Dungeon of Doom, and it is the Leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we see the Leprechaun on this as well. We'll yeah. come to him. We'll come to him shortly when we run through this episode of Nitro. But yeah, bloody hell, the Leprechaun! Oh my goodness! Yeah. Uh, 
just so there so we that, go. that wraps up the, the July 20th edition of Saturday night. There we go. Scottish Danny looks at Saturday night, the first one of our Nitro Nights run. Hers to many, many more moments of mediocrity from that particular <laughs> TV show. And uh, <laughs> uh, this episode of Nitro then begins with its usual intro. And so I noticed, Danny, is that it's still very much dominated the music and the video packages and so on. It's still very much dominated by Red and Yellow Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I was wondering when they were going to take that off, but mm. yeah. We'll have to keep a close eye on that one. Yeah, that is. It's an odd one for me because of how against Hogan they've been and how much they've been really pushing the the NWO and and you know the evil Hogan in the black and so on. Yeah, very, very strange one for me. But I just noticed it on when I watched this episode back earlier on today, and it really sort of it stood out how much Hogan is in that intro now mm. that he's not that version of that character. Yeah. We'll definitely um, we'll do a count and watch on that to see uh, when when they finally decide to take him off. Well, yeah, listen to you. You're giving yourself more and more homework. You are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we begin with Larry Zvisco and Tony Schiavone as our commentators for the first hour, as is the way, and they're talking. And and this was a little bit nonsensical for me. They talk about the Olympics that is that is happening in Atlanta at this point in 1996. And they talk about Muhammad Ali being an absolute legend and one of the most recognizable sportsmen of all time and so on. And he was there to help uh, light the Olympic torch, I guess, uh, and all this sort of stuff. And then they cut it into footage of Muhammad Ali when he guested at a WCW show. And almost it came across to me like they were almost trying to claim Muhammad Ali as one of their own for WCW and that's why he was lighting the torch it just felt a little bit of a stretch you know yeah I felt that as well it was like okay yeah you have him at the Olympics but we had him here first (laughs) yeah it was very much that kind of that kind of vibe it was it wasn't good at all it made them seem a bit small time I'm not gonna lie yeah punching up yes exactly exactly uh, we then get a recap of what went on with the NWO last week and Hogan arriving and all the stuff that went on with Luger in the main event and so on before our flagship TV show, the biggest thing that is going on in WCW at the moment with regards to television ratings and so on. The most watched wrestling program in the world at this point, as Tony Schiavone constantly reminds us, begins with Dave Taylor versus Scott Norton. <laughs> yeah (laughs) Mm. yes um the match begins with scott norton basically controlling his opponent just with a display of his power and how much of a big strong lump this guy is before taylor is knocked over the top rope and norton's disqualified straight away oh that was rough viewing um it was this match was very short um but that finish i i really hoped and prayed that we were beyond this now um but yeah it, it's just another case of uh just one step forward two steps back on this because um yeah you kind of think oh man when the nwl is coming everything's going up but a disqualification for going over the top rope oh just rough i mean the actual the actual DQ for that doesn't bother me too much because those are the rules and they've been the rules 
in place in WCW for a while, and that's fine. It's the same as when you watch New Japan in, in the modern era. They've got a 20 count on the outside of the ring as opposed to a 10. And yes, it's weird because we're used to a 10, but yeah. that's their rules. That's fine. And, and so on. So it, that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is I don't understand the point in this. If if Tay if Norton after the match went mad and beat up Taylor for he has a little go at him but he beats him up for ages and then Ice Train runs down and and there's like a an advancement in the storyline I could be I could I could understand why Dave Taylor is opening up Nitro in a match that lasts seconds and is a crappy DQ finish because it's advancing the Scott Norton Ice Train storyline I can get that but yeah. none of that happens it's literally just a couple of power moves Taylor over the top. The match is over, and then the the timekeeper just keeps hammering the bloody ring bell over and over again. And I've literally got a note here in front of me that says, "What was the bloody point in that?" Yeah, it it was a weird one. I mean, we just are we sure we're not watching Saturday night? Oh, it feels Saturday night, doesn't it? This feels yeah. Saturday night. Yeah, without a date. My goodness. Um, next up we have Mean Gene, and he is with the Four Horsemen, or part of the four horsemen because we have R. anderson mongo benoit and of course the trio of lovely ladies that accompany them around and they cut a bit of a promo talking about the dungeon of doom who they will be taking on sorry the dungeon of doom who they've got this running issue with and then talking about where flair might be because nobody seems to know where old slit rick is located danny do they no, they certainly don't. But what I loved about this was the fact that the VIP table is finally getting use out of it. Yeah, and Arn's there loving that bit of fruit, isn't he? He's smashing <laughs> through some of that grub. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and do you know what really got me as well? I mean, Benoit's terrible in this segment. This is... Yeah. We've criticised Benoit for his lack of charisma, lack of mic skills and so on in the past. And it's again, it's a situation of if he can't do it, don't let him. He's got Arn Anderson sat right there, let Arn do his talking for him. But WWE seemed to keep wanting to stick a microphone in front of this guy's face. And he refers to himself as a fart again by calling himself silent but violent or, or whatever it may well be he ran through. And then it's almost like he forgets what he's talking about and just puts up the four fingers and says the horseman. It just It was so, so bad. And what was quite comical for me was Arn Anderson had a gob full of apple and still cut a better promo than Chris Benoit. <laughs> Greatly said, mate. And but the important thing to take away from this um this little segment was that this was the beginning of the whole show's show long storyline of where is Ric Flair? Is he with the NWO um etc. Mm. Yes, it does pop up again a few more times. Uh, after this, we get a another match pretty much you know straight away, relatively quickly. We have Conan, who is being announced as the Mexican heavyweight champion. Uh, I'm not too sure if he was still the AAA champion at this point in his career, but the fact that they're not even naming the company makes me laugh a little bit. That's very WWF of them, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of the WWF, he is taking on, he being Conan, is taking on VK Wall Street, who gets numerous IRS chants at him as he as he's in the ring and so on. Danny, what did you think of this match here? This, I, I don't want to keep saying this, but I, I, in fact, we won't say Saturday night. This felt like a worldwide match to me because I, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to criticise Conan because the fans were very much into him. 
In fact, um, I did notice that the um, the you know that um, little thing that says the name on it. They misspelled Conan's name. That made me laugh. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Did they really? Why? Yeah, they missed an N. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. But, but in terms of the match, it was just it wasn't too bad. But the finish just came completely out of nowhere because a lot of this was VK Wall Street dominating. Yeah, and and then Conan. To me, it feels like he's been not pushed down, but he doesn't feel as important as he was. I don't know if that's because he isn't the US champion anymore, but it kind of just feels like ah, this match is just here and um, it's just a match to fill time. The issue I've got with Conan is he's a big star in Mexico. He's He's been in TV shows. He's been in movies. He's the biggest star in Mexican wrestling at this point. Or at least one of, anyway. You've also got some very big names to Mexican wrestling working down there. But it never really translates across when we're watching on Nitro how big a star this guy is. I think that his promo skills, and it's funny to say because of how great Conan goes on to be on the mic, his promo skills are kind of bland whenever we hear him talk. It's very, very bland, white meat, 1980s babyface kind of promos his ring attire i think looks quite cartoony yeah it's it's very sort of you know the the, the power rangers oil of toys r us has thrown up on him <laughs> it's how he looks to me and yeah. that doesn't really i mean max moon was you know a few years before this and also conan was initially max moon back in the wwf in 1993 but here it's almost like he's trying to still be as colorful as the max moon gimmick and it didn't relate to 93. So 96, it doesn't quite work. Especially when you're seeing, you know, guys like Lex and, you know, Luger's just in plain black trunks and looks a million dollars and the fans adore him. You know, the horsemen are just very simply dressed and are over. Even Benoit, who can't talk, they are over. Yeah. And then you look at the NWO, who are just cooler than anything else on the show. And then you've got this guy who's... It was kind of dressed, like I said, like like some kind of, you know, deranged Mexican Power Ranger. It doesn't quite relate to me. It feels quite out of place. Yeah. Also, in-ring as well. I, I, I like Conan's matches. We, we've seen him be quite lazy at times, but there are other occasions when Conan's motivated. His, his, matches, are, his matches can be decent. But when you compare those to the work we're now seeing from a young Rey Mysterio, a Eddie Guerrero, a psychosis who we see later on on this episode, he he doesn't wrestle a cruiserweight Mexican high-flying Lucha Libre style. There are aspects to that, but he doesn't do it as well as, say, a psychosis or whatever. But then he also doesn't go completely the other way and wrestle more of an American heavyweight style. So he's kind of in this this limbo where his gimmick looks out of place and his wrestling style doesn't quite fit anywhere either so i think on on all cases with conan it's just slightly off it just doesn't quite tick all the boxes for me yeah yeah i can see that mate um what did you think about the the finish of this match well i don't mind it because Mm. it's 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 a wrestling match and he's countered a wrestling move i mean effectively the the match um (laughs) 
it's it's a very 1980s style contest for me vk wall street here or irs or whatever works a very 80s style when he's in control we see a few sleepers a few arm bars and then he starts working the leg and it's quite slow quite methodical which is fine it has its place he hits his um wall street crash i think it's called isn't it the finish yeah, uh stock market crash stock market crash thank you and lies in a sort of quite nonchalant way to make the cover and conan just uses wall street's own body weight to effectively cradle him almost like a crucifix move and get the surprise three count now i don't mind that because it's a wrestling match conan you haven't got to win every match where you finish conan yeah. effectively has out wrestled him so that i didn't mind too much danny what were your thoughts on it i enjoyed it but i just I felt like Conan could have been dominating a few more minutes rather than just being battered throughout the entire match, it felt like, and then just kind of wins out of nowhere. But um, I do see your point as well of, like, not every match has to end with a finisher because then you'd be predicting it. Sometimes it's mm. nice to have a surprise. Um, and then we get, um, I don't know if you call Larry Sabisco's racism at the end um, after the match. Oh, Larry Zabisco. <laughs> I, I like I like Zabisco and Shivani on commentary. I think they work well. Yeah. And I, I've got no major issues with Zabisco's um, commentary efforts in general, but he does at times resort to very much, I suppose, cheap heat, maybe. He makes yeah. comments about women should be in the kitchen. And here he's referring to Conan and saying, he's asking if he's got a green card and so on, isn't he? Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. It was like, come on, man. I mean, I'm, I'm with you um, because I've, I think I've mentioned this before. Um, in one of Chris Jericho's books, he says that Larry Zabisco is the worst commentary, comment, a commentator in every sense of the word. And he's the worst ever. And, but I will always say Larry Sabisco is a much better commentator than Jericho is. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm with you. Sabisco is really good at commentary, but this line, oh, no. Yeah, I'm a, Jericho, when Jericho first did commentary a couple of times for AEW, yep. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was different. It was fresh. He was really funny. Really, really like, you know, funny little comments he was making uh, on, on behind the desk and so on. But then it was almost like the more people gave him praise, the more extreme he went. And he ended up just shouting all the time. And it just kind of, it almost like he was trying far too hard. And it kind of took away from the good work he did in those opening couple of weeks for me, really. Yeah. And it's it's hard to kind of believe that he's excited when he's screaming at the top of his lungs for a jobber match that's going on well this is it and this is an issue i also had with um and i may need you to help me with the pronunciation of his name is it mauro ranello oh mauro ranello yeah yeah yes fantastic commentator loved his work with nxt it made it made nxt feel like it had its own voice um he was he was very 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 good however if you're screaming and yelling and crazy excited and going at 100 miles an hour all the time, it gets to a stage where nothing means anything because you're reacting the same way to everything. You can't react the same way to a guy hitting a cutter off the top rope on someone to somebody then throwing a clothesline or a punch. 
<laughs> it, it can't be that way because it then no. takes away from the bigger move because you've already hit that level of excitement for the, shall we say, I don't want to say smaller move, but you know what I'm getting at, don't you? Yeah, less important. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, speaking of voices in wrestling and so on, we get to one of the most iconic of all time, I suppose, because Mean Gene is here and he is talking to what I guess you can refer to as Team WCW. They were the, the, the trio that tagged up at Bash at the Beach. We have Luger, Sting and the Macho Man. And again, it's just more questions of where's Ric Flair? Because this trio are facing a, a combination of three guys from the Horsemen in our main event this evening, and Flair's still not there. So they're asking, where is Flair? And you also get Sting saying he doesn't care where Flair is, but then asking where is Flair, which is a bit of a contradiction, I suppose. But we also here learn, Danny, that Luger and Sting are going to team up and take on the Outsiders at the upcoming Hogwild pay-per-view. I love that, that they just dropped that in there because um, it makes total sense because these are the guys that feud with the outsiders. These are the main guys um, mm. as well as the company. But yeah, th- these three guys are the figureheads. They're the main baby faces. And this um, combined with the uh, interview that we'll be discussing later on was just fantastic. Yes, indeed. Uh, <sighs> we then get... After this interview segment, we get a Glacier promo. But it's a slightly different one, Danny, isn't it? He's doing, it's not just the words and the spinning icons and the logos anymore. We actually see the guy more clearly because in the past we've only sort of caught glimpses of his eye or his shoulder or whatever. We actually see Glacier properly here doing lots of various martial arts moves and so on. Uh, What did you think of this new Glacier promo we have here? we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks they've been playing the same one over and over again I love this because we get to see what the man looks like and I mean I'm not criticising this but it was so obvious that it was shot at um, Disney MGM because there was like a sort of like a I don't know if it's Snow White or whatever it is castle behind him brilliant <laughs> Glacier's going to be escorted to the ring by the seven dwarfs um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love this because um, it's like um, yeah they finally just shot something new for him and he did look like a total badass as well yeah okay um, I mean one thing that was very noticeable for me for this promo <laughs> that set it aside from all the others that we've seen obviously we get to see the guy and he's doing some moves and so on the actual message at the end just says Glacier. It doesn't say coming to WCW anymore. It just says Glacier. So is he not coming anymore? Ah, that's also also our question. Was this just Alex Wright? Because he actually looked like Alex Wright, didn't he? <laughs> I, I can tell you it's it's not Alex Wright. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. Uh, what follows the Glacier promo is another promo, Danny, because we, <laughs> you know, we, we tune in every week to Nitro to watch footage of people doing other things than wrestling, of course. Now, yeah. this, this was fucking weird. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> it's, it's one of those that I'm so glad I watched this alone and, and uh, nobody else is in the house. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cringe isn't it as a wrestling fan if somebody walks in and sees you watching this up this this promo yeah. it's a bit 
Mm, okay. It's it's a bit cringe <laughs> because we've got it's basically just four dudes on a beach. And these I mean, I recognised a couple of them, but I had to had to wait until the names were said because I I couldn't tell who some of them were. But we've basically got Joe Gomez, Jim Powers, the Renegade, and Alex Wright. I mean, poor Alex Wright. What the hell has he done to be lumbered with these this trio of absolute, you know, embarrassments? And they're all wearing that white WCW Nitro on TNT t-shirt. And then one by one, they're walking towards the camera, taking their shirt off, and then just stand there. And there's just... It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It was so strange. It made the mini movie at Beach Blast with Davey Boy Smith and Sid Vicious and Sting and so on almost seem normal. This was just so surreal for me. Yeah, this um, it takes me back to the story you told on Chain Wrestling um, quite a while ago about how you was always frustrated that um, your dad would walk in at like weird moments on wrestling rather than like a, a Rick Rude versus Sting uh, sort of outing. Yes. <laughs> like because this, yeah, it was just uh, the notes I wrote for this was wrestlers undressing on the beach with sunglasses. That's all I wrote. <laughs> yeah. And then we get close-ups of, well, most of them just staring at the camera. And it's, it, it gets creepy then. It gets <laughs> it gets we- really weird. I mean, it was weird to begin with. And I'm thinking, okay, this is strange. This does not work at all. None of these guys, as much as I like Alex Wright as a wrestler, none of these guys have got personality whatsoever. Yeah. They're, as, uh, <laughs> they're as wooden as the, uh, the, the the planks that make up the, the, the ring itself. They are. <laughs> there's nothing going on with these fellas at all. Yeah. Um, so why was... shoot them in a scenario where you? Oh, I don't know. It's just so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. But I was just thinking that this music they were playing during this sounded very much like that old Sting song, didn't it? It did. At the beginning, I thought it was Sting's theme, yeah. and I thought we were getting a a promo of Sting on the beach and so on. But it ends up being—I I don't know if it was Jim Powers' theme tune that we were talking about the other day. <laughs> I don't think it was, but it was similar. This could have been one of those um, nights that they shot all days that they shot at MGM Studios. Maybe there's a beach somewhere. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, from what I from what I understand is during this time in WCW, when they did all day shoots of you know interviews, promos, and um, you know little vignettes trying to promote people. There was a lot of drugs flying around. And you watch this and it's a bit like, yeah, this probably <laughs> seemed better when you're high than actually when you press play on the tape on TV. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, but, Danny, but that's not the end of the introduction to these four beach weirdos. We see them wrestle. Yeah, we get an eight-man tag team match just randomly out of nowhere. Um, which... <sighs> I don't know how I felt about this entirely. I mean, this, I mean, this, the match was just a backdrop, wasn't it? What for something much bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the massive thing that happened in this was the leprechaun's first nitro appearance. So oh, <laughs> fucking leprechaun. <laughs> yes. We have the team that was just posing, oiled up, acting like they're, they're the, they look like the kind of guys that if they're in a nightclub, They've got Rahipnol in their pocket waiting. They come across like that, these guys. Do you know what I mean? And we've got 
that that combination that those the, the weird four guys from the beach joe gomez jim powers the renegade and alex wright and they are taking on a four-man team from the dungeon of doom yes they're still a thing we have kevin sullivan the barbarian hugh morris and then a new addition to the dungeon of doom the leprechaun <laughs> he comes running out acting all crazy running around the outside and then that's it we don't see anything else from him really do we no not at all but i did write a note saying was he put in the dungeon of doom so that um kevin sullivan looked taller <laughs> maybe when they said leprechaun <laughs> initially i don't know why i'm thinking please tell me they haven't dressed finley up oh I, I thought this was crash holly at first until i looked it up because he played the leprechaun um leprechaun character uh early in his career but um unfortunately it was someone much worse than crash holly <laughs> <laughs> that's right somebody we've seen already danny uh, through our watch back through uh, through the course of nitro nights somebody we've seen wrestle on a pay-per-view as well i believe yeah. and somebody who will be around for quite a while um and also you know responsible for training numerous people in the power plant sergeant buddy lee parker plays the leprechaun yeah the man uh who is absolutely buried in one of i think it's batista's book um for running him out of uh, the wsw power plant because he worked him too hard bloody hell <laughs> so yeah I, I don't understand why this is a thing i don't I don't get it. I don't. First of all, we're in mid '96. I think that the Dungeon of Doom have now outstayed their welcome by at least a year. Yeah, they've done nothing relevant at all for a long time. Anytime any member of the Dungeon of Doom is involved in anything on television, well, with the exception of the Giant, and even at a push, we'll say Kevin Sullivan with his matches yeah. with Benoit. We've enjoyed those. Everybody else associated with the Dungeon of Doom and the matches they're having. I could quite happily never watch again. <laughs> yeah, so true. all of a sudden we're adding a new member and there's a chance here to make it exciting. This is going to be interesting, but no, it's Sergeant Parker dressed up as a fucking leprechaun. What the hell are they, <laughs> what are they thinking? Yeah, because when they said, Oh, a new member has been added. Um, this was before I went back and watched the Saturday night. So I was thinking, Oh, this could be someone really cool. Maybe someone's just jumped over, but nope. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, this is just outdated. Yes, it is. And we see how outdated and silly the whole thing is, I guess, because we get start getting told by Tony Schiavone on commentary that there's something going on backstage. And they're sending cameras to go and check it out. And again, we get back to that aspect of this feels real. It's not like WWE television where they, oh, something's going on backstage and there's a cameraman there with the lighting set up and everyone's already in a perfect position to be filmed. This feels, you know, spur of the moment. This feels more realistic. And it's the Outsiders. It's our buddies Hall and Nash. And they are in the production truck. And they made me laugh again. Scott Hall is a comedy genius. The way that he's telling the guys to pan to the crowd, they're looking for someone. And then, oh no, cut back to us, we're the stars, and all this sort of <laughs> stuff. And then they stand there and gives that big goofy grin and waves at the camera and starts they start posing at the camera and all this. The whole time the match is going on, and we're not getting any of it. And I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, mate. And it's like, um, you said it perfectly, but I just wrote down, this was shot perfectly because you had poor lighting poor audio 
Um, it just felt spontaneous, like it just happened out of nowhere. And mm. you're right about the match as well because nobody cared about this match. And I feel bad saying that because I'm Kevin Sullivan fan. Um, and I was actually hoping to see him wipe the floor with some of these guys. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, it was excellent. And this is definitely one of those NWO highlights that was on those uh, DVDs, but nothing to this extent. I never saw the full segment of this, so excellent stuff. Yeah, but the thing is, it doesn't even last that long, does it? It's only a couple of minutes, you know? So the fact yeah. that they've edited it, edited it down, sorry, put my teeth in, um, to make it even shorter for DVDs is is pretty surprising to me. But also, I think it's kind of took out of context when you look at just this moment with the NWO on this particular show. Because, I, I mean, we're going to get to our ratings and what we think about this episode of Nitro and so on at the end of the show, obviously, when we give our woos and our old brothers and our hit-miss middling and so on. But a bit of a spoiler alert. I didn't enjoy this show. Mm. Now, it... <laughs> Again, it comes down to revisionist history. The WWF are famous for doing that themselves. But with regards to the old NWO thing, if you're a current fan who didn't experience it first time round, and you've read books, listened to interviews, watched DVDs or clips or documentaries on the network and so on, you're led to believe Hall and Nash arrive. It's... Lots of paranoia, pandemonium, who's the third man, which is fairly accurate, as, as we've seen, Danny. Yeah. And then Hogan turns, and it's a, a ground-breaking, you know, incredible moment, which, again, is fairly accurate. And then everything is great. They're all yeah. walking around in their NWO gear, and they're super cool, and they're, they're running the company, and everyone's an NWO fan, and all this sort of stuff. And it changes WCW from this cartoony, Dungeon of Doom-esque um, comic style nonsense into the coolest thing going on television yeah here this episode nitro if you took away the nwo aspects of it took away the outsiders you could drop this episode of nitro i think into when we started watching back in 1995 and not us in 95 obviously when we started watching 1995 when the podcast began yeah. and it would not look out of place at all to that nonsense we had to sit through when we first began the podcast yeah, that's a fair comment, mate. I mean, there's a lot of matches on this that were just, yeah, just. I'm I'm kind of the other way though. Um, I mean, we'll get to it later, but I I was a big fan of this show, but I'll tell you a bit later why. But um, yeah, there was a lot. It's, I mean, the Leprechaun, this, these this video package, <laughs> um, <laughs> this Chris Van Wall promo. Yeah, a lot of it could have just mm. been dropped in the past, but, um. Would you say this NWO um, sort of segment was enough to save it? or? Well, we'll find out at the end of the episode, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> we go back to the ring, and this is what I mean about the, the whole uh, issues with the NWO, and then you've got the sodding leprechaun and the Dungeon of Doom and so on. We've had the entrances for the Dungeon of Doom and these four weird dudes on the beach. We've had the leprechaun arrive. Then we're seeing how great and awesome Hall and Nash are and how cool they are and how funny they are. And then we cut back to the ring and we're back to the leprechaun and Kevin Sullivan and all that nonsense. And it is such it's such a contrast for me. Yeah. Because you're getting the coolest thing on their on their show and then potentially the worst. Yeah. That's a great great way of putting it, mate. And then we get Teddy Long coming out and 
sort of um, trying to motivate Jim Powers, and it actually does work. Yeah. Yeah, because he jumps back in the ring, doesn't he? I mean, Teddy Long's going around. I don't know what he's doing, trying to recruit people, potentially. It's interesting to see where that goes in the next few weeks. But yeah, Powers jumps back in the ring, all fired up, and and starts cleaning house. And actually looks half decent for 30 seconds. So fair play to Teddy (laughs) Long. Whatever Teddy Long said there, you know, he wants to keep that up. Before it all breaks down, we have all eight men in the ring. Everyone's fighting. And then the giant arrives, chokeslams everyone. The match ends on a DQ, so another DQ finish. And then we have more bloody bell ringing over and over again. Danny, honestly, in all the wrestling you've watched in your life, when there's a fight or there's stuff that carries on after the end of the match or there's a big pull-apart brawl, have you ever, in all the wrestling you've seen in your life, which I know is an extensive amount, have you ever seen the wrestlers go, oh, shit, they're ringing the bell. I better stop what I'm doing. Ever. No, never. And I think the record goes to one of the pay-per-views we watched not too long ago, so I, where the bell just kept ringing and ringing for like two minutes, three minutes straight. But yeah, it just makes no sense. It's something they still do today. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate they're trying to say, oh, you know, it's. I appreciate it's part of wrestling now. But it just annoys me. And this bell had a certain tone to it that went straight (laughs) through me as well. It didn't sound like an ordinary ring bell. It just went straight through me. And a bloody bell ring and it pissed me right off. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, Mean um, Gene. Sorry, Danny, carry on. No, no, I was going to say, with Mean Gene coming out, was this the giant's face turn? Hmm. I don't know. Because, again, this is difficult because... And I think this is going to be something that we're going to talk about over and over again in the coming weeks and months. The NWO are supposed to be heels. The NWO are supposed to be the invading group. They're supposed to be the bad guys. That's the way it was booked. But does that then mean any heel in WCW going up against them is the babyface? I don't know. And then also when the NWO get crazy over, like they're, they're super cool, everyone wants to see them. Even though they're supposed to be the heels, they start getting quite a lot of cheers, which then turns some of the WCW babyfaces heel on that night because they're getting booed by comparison. And, you know, Bobby Heenan has spoken about it before he sadly passed away and that the NWO was fantastic, but it made his job as a heel commentator really difficult because he is supposed to be anti-NWO, but for the heels. So he never really found a great way of sort of, you know, doing that efficient, you know, efficiently, he says. And you also get issues with, like the thing you just brought up there, Danny. I mean, the giant here with Mean Gene accepts Hogan's challenge for Hogwild. And, you know, he is the head guy in the Dungeon of Doom. With regards to in-ring wrestling, Sullivan's obviously the leader, but he's the world champion, I guess. He is supposed to be a big, nasty heel. But now do we cheer the giant? even though he's in the Dungeon of Doom, who are heels. It's mm. it's a lot of it's a lot of blurring the lines, isn't it? It's a lot of grey areas as opposed to black and white, which I don't normally mind in wrestling because, you know, the old adage goes that good people sometimes do bad things and bad people sometimes do good things. And, you know, Steve Austin was a perfect example of that. But here, I think it it's a little bit tricky to know exactly what to think with regards to certain competitors at certain times. Yeah. Mm. But there we go. Our main event for Hogwild is now set. 
something that I don't think will be a main event anywhere ever is our next contest. And that's Diamond Dallas Page. Great to see him in the ring again, though. And he is taking on Prince Ayakia, who is dressed like he's some kind of martial arts expert here and has a weird little man bun thing going on, top knot effort and so on. Uh, and it's another very quick contest, Danny, isn't it? I felt like this was a a match that they'd let the two wrestlers go out and have just to keep the crowd alive during the break. And then they'd left the cameras on because <laughs> I, um, it goes back to what, I, what you said about size. Like a lot of this is um, a lot of DDP matches are designed to get the move over his uh, diamond cutter over. So that's all I looked at this match as it was like, okay, we need another way to show how DDP can um, apply the diamond cutter. And with this one, he came from the side and it was Mm. just like, but with no entrances and no real, I mean, there was a little bit of crowd reaction, but it just felt like they left the cameras on during commercial and just said, go out there for a couple of minutes and keep the the crowd entertained. Yeah. Do we see the Nitro girls on this episode of Nitro? I don't think we do, do we? No. No. See, the whole design of the Nitro Girls was, uh, uh, according to um, Mr. Bischoff, the whole design of the Nitro Girls was to give the live crowd something going on when they went to commercial breaks. Oh. So, I don't know, maybe this is a Nitro Girl stand-in. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, yeah. yeah maybe. I mean, <laughs> DDP wins with a diamond cutter anyway. Um after not a lot of anything else going on, to be fair, before we get uh, another promo package, another video uh, segment, and it's a catch-up of the feud between Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit, which, again, I don't mind, because people are getting caught up on what's going on, and we're obviously heading into more matches between these two coming up, I would I would assume. Yeah. So that's fine. But when we've already had numerous other video packages... It seems to be already, without even us hitting our two of Nitro yet, it seems a little overkill for me. Yeah. And it's just that, but um, as you said, we're getting more Chris Benoit, Kevin Sullivan matches. That's what I took away from this. It was like, at least this feud is continuing. Mm. You mentioned the DDP and IKEA match feeling like a bit of filler or a bit of, you know, potentially it, it, it should have been in the ring when they're on an ad break, so to speak. Yeah. And I get what you mean. It does have that kind of vibe, but then we get the next contest, which is the nitro debut of Chavo Guerrero. And he is taking on Di Malenko. but this match actually starts whilst we're still looking at that recap of Benoit Sullivan. <laughs> you can hear the, 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 the guys taking bumps. You can hear the ring bumping and crashing and so on. And then we go back to the program and we're getting one of those really good, really you know, impressive cinematic shots of the skyline as it's dusk now where they are. And we've got the, the Mickey Mouse Tower and the setting of MGM Studios. Looks incredible. But we can hear the match going on below. Yeah. So again, it just seems like nothing is quite synced up with regards to the action in the ring and what they're showing us, I think, Danny. No, you're completely right. I must have missed that because... Um... It, now you're saying that it's like a lot of timing issues po- possibly must have happened but um this is what also inspired me to also go back and see 
if Chavo Guerrero had, uh, if this, because they said this was his natural debut, so I was thinking, oh, he can't have debuted here. Maybe he debuted somewhere else. And um, he debuted on the Saturday night, and I was just thinking, wow, just, I mean, has he been, been introduced as a character? No, I think it's just, it was somebody, it's somebody obviously they've got hopes for, and they're building this cruiserweight division. Yeah, and he's got the Guerrero names. So he's got a certain pedigree to him as well, and we know he's a, he's a great worker anyway. He goes on to be a fantastic wrestler for the rest of his career. Yeah. But I also feel that we we can't be bringing out. <sighs> There's not many cruiserweights signed to the company at this moment in time. No, Malenko is winning matches in the build up to his match with Benoit at Hogwild, and he's also still chasing the cruiserweight championship. Uh, an opportunity to get that back from Rey Mysterio. So I suppose you need someone for Malenko to beat on Nitro. I don't, you can't put psychosis in there and have him beaten by Malenko because your know, psychosis is still relatively new to the show and he's already lost once or twice on television, even though he does go on and have a match later on that he's unsuccessful in that. I didn't mind too much because of where Eddie Guerrero is going, but I don't think it would have benefited psychosis being in the ring with a Dean Malenko and not being able to display what he's good at with regards to the aerial stuff that he does with Eddie Guerrero shortly. I don't think you can put Eddie Guerrero in there to lose to Malenko because Guerrero's heading towards a, a contest with Ric Flair at the pay-per-view for the United States Championship. You, of course, can't put in Rey Mysterio to get beat. So you're kind of running out of options for Dean Malenko to defeat on television to make him look strong going into the pay-per-view and I'm more than happy for them to pick Chavo Guerrero to fill this role than see him take on someone from the dungeon of doom or something, you know, or from the beach boys. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, When we do finally get to see what's going on in the ring, we see Dean Malenko hit a gut buster. Um, Chavo throws a pretty impressive drop kick. Uh, Malenko hits a huge big back suplex before we get the switch to hour two of Nitro, which brings Bobby Heenan, Eric Bischoff and multiple fireworks. Of course, uh, we get a long head scissors spot by Dean Malenko. There's some idiot in the crowd trying to start a boring chant, but he's literally on his own. And <laughs> we then transition into a chin lock by Dean Malenko, which then reverses round into an STF. Jimmy Hart is out now at this point and semi-distracts Malenko before eventually we get the cloverleaf by Malenko for the win via submission. And probably the most enjoyable moment of this show so far, I think, Danny? Yeah, I mean, we're getting the um, Jimmy Hart, uh, Dean Malenko kind of storyline, which I'm loving that they're continuing that after last week. Mm. The thing with me that I took away from this is Chavo Guerrero has a really underrated dropkick, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. It's very good. I'm a big fan of the dropkick. And when you see people being able to, especially a standing dropkick, when you literally just yeah. go from nothing. And these guys, who even Chavo Guerrero, who in 1996 is a smaller guy in the world of American professional wrestling, shall we say? even those so-called smaller guys, when they stand uh, from, from nothing from a standing start and get both their feet up in the face of their opponent, it's just so athletic. It's amazing to me. 
It really is, mate. It's something I tried many years ago and probably ended up falling on my face as a child. <laughs> <laughs> I want a video of a young Scottish Danny trying to throw a drop kick. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we have a different feel for our in-ring competition because we've just come from two of the more, shall we say, smaller guys on the roster who wrestle in a certain particular style. And we're now going to two of the more bigger guys who wrestle in a, a very different style. So again, we're getting that contrast from one match to the next, which I'm quite a fan of, I guess, when it's yep. done right. Uh, here we have Meng, and he is taking on Ice Train. And whereas I say I quite like the contrast because you know we're trying to cater for various different fans and different people like different things, of course... This is just, and it's the old saying that we throw out there quite often on Nitro Nights. This was just 10 minutes of punchy, kicky bullshit for me. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing about this match was, I guess, that you could get sympathy for Ice Train because um, he obviously was the babyface in the split of the um, Fire and Ice. And at the point when Scott Norton comes out, which to me is very confusing what he does because I mean, we're going to get into it as we go through the match. Um, but him just coming out and just doing what he did, just, it, I literally wrote down, huh? What is this? Why would he do this? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he I mean, effectively, you say we're going to get into the match. There's not masses to get into from my end. I don't know if you've got any particular notes or any moments you want to bring up yourself, Danny, but um, to me, it was just a great deal of punchy, kicky bullshit before yeah. the DQ finish. So I don't yeah. know if there's anything you want to comment on yourself. I just wrote down that Ice Train has a really good, impressive looking body slam. Yes, indeed. Very powerful man. Very big, powerful yeah. man. Uh, and yes, Norton comes out to, to help Ice Train and he defends him whilst Meng is battering him and so on. It ends in another disqualification finish. So that's the, well, that'd be the third of this episode of Nitro already, Danny, I think, isn't it? Something like that? Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. And Norton actually explains to the camera that until the pay-per-view, don't worry, Ice Train, I've got your back. I'm going to make sure nobody hurts you so that it's me and you one-on-one -on -one come hogwild. So he does try and explain his motivation for helping his former partner. But, yeah, it is a bit silly. Yeah, it's, it's like, why would you do that? <laughs> because you're so, why wouldn't he run in and attack Ice Train? I know he's, he gave the reason, but it's just like, that's it's so alien to me because I've, WWE rarely would do something like this. And, mm. I mean, every all throughout the 2000s, you'd have a wrestler hit the ring and attack their opponent. Um, for the upcoming pay-per-view. So this was very, very alien. And to be honest, not in a good way. Mm, yeah, I, I, I get you. I, I suppose they're to be applauded for trying something slightly different. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, you know, things can be a hit and sometimes you completely miss the point. So it is what it is. You don't know till you try it, I guess. Yeah, try um, something new. Exactly, exactly. Something they have tried on numerous occasions and will continue to do so is recap videos and promo packages, Danny. <laughs> and we get a trio of them following the Meng Ice Train contest. We have an NWO recap video showing us what happened at Bash at the Beach and then the following Nitros where the guys are turning up there and attacking Luger and so on. After that, I'm thinking, okay, great, let's get to the next match. But oh no, 
we get another promotional video package. This time we're resitting through the Glacier clip that we saw earlier on. So yeah. it's Glacier throwing all the martial arts moves and so on. And then I'm thinking, okay, signed. That's two back-to-back <laughs> promo videos. Let's get to the next match. But oh no, we then get a Hogwild pay-per-view promo package as well. So a trio of video packages for us there, Danny. What did you think of this? A bit too much, but at the same time, if I mean, I looked at it from your standpoint where you explained to me a couple of weeks ago, if people are tuning in during hour two, they're showing what, not what they missed, but sort of catching up. But I was just amazed the level of excitement that Eric Bischoff was uh, had when he was talking about Hogwild because he was very excited, wasn't he? Oh, he loves it. He loves it. I mean, he's a big biker, isn't he? He's, he's, he's got yeah. Harleys and so on. He still takes his, he talks about it on his, his fantastic podcast. He still takes his hardest out riding in certain times of the year and so on. Yeah, so he's really, really looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, it's three promo packages back to back is a bit much for me. Mm, definitely. What follows those um, that collection of promotional packages, I guess, is a match that I think pretty much steals the show when it comes to in-ring contests, in-ring competition on this episode of Nitro. And we get the aforementioned duo of Eddie Guerrero taking on Psychosis. Now, this this felt like a proper cruiserweight, almost you know Mexican-influenced match here, Danny, didn't it? It did. And to be honest, there was a lot more submissions than um, I thought that Eddie Guerrero w- uh, was capable of because he worked on um, Psychosis' arm quite a lot. He did, yes. And I think this is... Uh, I think this is sometimes maybe I don't want to go as far as to say it's more of the revisionist history that we're kind of debunking with with our show, but it is kind of overlooked sometimes with regards to how good these guys were on the mat, because whenever they talk about cruiserweight action, uh, I mean, the old adage that you hear people say about Nitro at the time and and for the next few months, year or whatever, is that people would tune in for the NWO but stay for the cruiserweights. And then yeah. whenever you hear that said, or the cruiserweight division praised and so on, you get uh, images or clips or of Rey Mysterio flying about the place, psychosis being crazy and flipping off the top rope to the outside and all this you know, madness where they're in the air. But when you actually watch these cruiserweight contests back in their entirety and and watch the whole division develop as we are now. We're starting to see this cruiserweight division really sort of form in front of us with, with the weekly television. There is a lot more mat-based wrestling than people give it credit for. And I think that's a real shame that it's not acknowledged more because it's easy to say that these guys just did high-flying flippy shit. Mm. But they can wrestle. And it's, it's good wrestling, Danny, isn't it? It really is, man. And it, it's just a perfect example would be this match because um you like you said they're great on the mat and things like that but they also do a lot of diving to the outside um diving to the inside as well and hmm. um this i mean we knew why this match was happening it was to kind of um build up uh, Eddie Guerrero for his pay-per-view match but I really really enjoyed it yeah, I did too. I did too. It, it's very quick action. And, and you're right. It's all about pushing Guerrero for his contest with Flair. And Heenan talks about it all the way through this match. He's Heenan here is 
really good, I think, at promoting the upcoming pay-per-view and some of the contests that are happening on it. Uh, And obviously, Flair is his guy. He's got a history with Flair. So he's talking about Eddie Guerrero taking on Ric Flair for the United States title, being the biggest match of his career, and all this sort of stuff. He really pushes this upcoming title match at the pay-per-view very, very well. Yeah. The match begins, as I said, very quickly, and we get the standard of the time kind of arm drags, hip tosses, and and so on, and quick pin attempts and counters and all this sort of stuff. Psychosis uh, hits an, imp- an impressive drop kick before Eddie Guerrero sends him to the outside, and then Guerrero himself comes off the top rope to the outside, which is spectacular. We get a step-up inseguri by Psychosis, and then a spinning heel kick off the top rope as well by Psychosis, which looked incredible. And then a leg drop off the top rope as well. And how high did Psychosis get with that leg drop, Danny? That was insane. Oh, that looked just impressive and also looked painful to take it as well for mm. both of them. Yes, indeed. Uh, eventually, Eddie Guerrero hits a backbreaker to get a two count before a top rope Frankensteiner followed by a frog splash leads to Guerrero winning. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed this, bud. Yeah, me too, mate. I mean, it was a very solid um, win as well because you have Eddie Guerrero's finish ending the match. And yeah, we're off to the pay-per-view with Eddie. We are indeed. We are indeed. What I feel, though, is pay-per-view quality, pay-per-view standard with regards to the names involved is our main event of this episode of Nitro. We have a trio from the Four Horsemen taking on, again, I suppose what you can loosely reference as Team WCW in Sting, Luger and Macho Man from the Bash at the Beach pay-per-view there. And they're supposed to be facing a combination from the Horsemen that includes Ric Flair. But Flair is still not there. Flair's music hits, and they're asking, where is Flair? Mongo and Benoit come out with the ladies, and they're still asking, where is Flair? Then we cut to Arn Anderson, who's at a limo, looking through the windows, trying to see who is in there. Eric Bischoff is asking, who's in the limo? Is it Flair, or is it someone from New York? Making a WWF reference there. Very, you know, just, just thrown in there, but very clever. But also, we have Scottish Danny's limo count number four now. Hey, there we go. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Number four. Um, (laughs) uh, We also get plenty of questions then of, has Flair joined the NWO? And that didn't even enter my... Obviously, we know the, the history and so on. But at the time, I imagine this was a big deal. People talking about Flair maybe jumping ship to the NWO. Has he not turned up because he's siding with the outsiders? And I, I love that because again, you're leaning back into the, the paranoia and the unknown with regards to who was the third man. They're talking about it now as in who's going to be the fourth, the fifth, the sixth and so on. Yeah. And do you know, I thought as I was, as this was going on, I was thinking, what was Ric Flair's reaction when Hulk Hogan turned heel? He didn't seem bothered last week. He was just like, oh, like he was in his own world. And so I was thinking, okay, he's so he kind of they kind of built this where the NWO might have got to Ric Flair and said, oh, you're joining us. And Ric Flair obviously travels in limos and things. So it was very believable. Um, if you're watching this for the first ever time and don't know the history of the NWO. Um, it's very believable that Ric Flair might jump ship. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Um, the match begins with basically Sting taking a pasting for quite a while, Danny. 
Yeah, <laughs> from Arn Anderson of all people. Oh, no, from Chris Benoit, wasn't it? Yeah, well, everyone has a go. Everyone's, I mean, Sting is in the ring for a long period, just yeah. getting his ass handed to him by the horseman. Arn has stepped in for the absent flair. So we have Arn, Benoit, and Mongo making up the horseman team. And Arn and Benoit just beat the piss out of Sting for the majority of this match. Mongo here, it's a funny one for me because th- there's two moments with Mongo in this match that stand out for very different reasons. One, Mongo tags in and chops Sting, hits a drop kick and a couple of clotheslines and tags back out. And I'm thinking, yes, brilliant. That's all he needs to do. Yeah. Worked really well. The next time Mongo tags in, it's almost like he's got a bit overexcited with what he's just done, I think, because he there's so many timing issues with Sting. There's a, there's a really messy clothesline effort. There's an occasion where Mongo wants looks like he's trying for I don't even know what he's trying for, but it ends up being a net breaker, and Sting didn't really look like he knew what Mongo was setting up for. And then we have this horrible messy suplex spot where. It comes across as the viewer, and obviously, by the way it goes, it was coming across to Sting, as Mongo was going to pick him up and crotch him on the top rope. But Mongo was actually going for a belly-to-back suplex, and it ends up in just a mess and a bit of a nasty fall, Danny, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does, mate. But, I mean, we've talked about this before. A lot of people just give Mongo shit for any... You know, arresting, but the drop kick he threw in this match was very impressive as well. He's a massive guy as well, Mund. Mm. He's a huge. I mean, he stood next to Lex Luger, who I mean, Luger must be six four, six five, something like that, six four maybe. I don't yeah. know. Sting's about that as well. Um, both of those guys are, you know, north of two sixty. I would imagine. Mongo's in there, and he doesn't look out of place from a physical standpoint. He's a big, big guy. I just think sometimes that he needed a bit more time to develop the actual in-ring aspect of things, or they needed to protect him more. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they could protect him more because he's featuring primarily in multi-person tags, and he's surrounded by the likes of Sting and Arn Anderson and Benoit and so on. I don't really know what they could do to protect him more because he is getting a lot of protection from that standpoint. Yeah, but. There were moments where I'm thinking, okay, yeah, he looks the part here. And then we get those other spots and, and, and the botched suplex effort and so on. I'm thinking, oh, that just looks terrible. That's embarrassing. Um, yeah, I can see that as well, mate. Uh, that's, I just made a note. Do you know if Randy Savage was injured at this point? I don't know. Why is that? Because um, he, it's not, it's, he kind of like... Don't want to say he didn't have a lot in this match, but he really didn't. And he's not wrestling at the pay-per-view because we learned that he's going to be uh, with Mean Gene in a special interview a bit later on. But it's like, I'm just wondering where he could have fit in in the um, the pay-per-view coming up. I'm just wondering why they kept left him off. Yeah, that is interesting. I don't know. I'll, I'll look into that, Danny. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure that you're right to bring those points up. And with regards to not being involved in the match too much, I can kind of understand that because Sting is in the ring getting dominated by the heels. So you're not going to see much of Savage. And then we get to the finish and it's just a bit of a mess. But with regards to the pay-per-view, yeah, that is interesting because they're advertising him as being there, Hmm. but he's not wrestling. 
I suppose it's that situation of who is he going to face off against potentially. Yeah. His his feud at the moment, his interests at the moment, are with Hogan and the Outsiders. Hogan is in the title picture, obviously. And the Outsiders are a tag team and they're facing an already established tag team of Sting and Luger. Maybe it's just a situation where Savage is the odd man out on this, this occasion. Yeah. I don't know. That could I be, mate, know. yeah. Because it would seem throwaway and pointless if, if Savage then randomly wrestled somebody else i guess i don't know hmm. yeah you, you, that makes sense as well if he wrestled one of the beach boys it would have made no sense <laughs> I'd, I'd love it if they literally just took all four of those guys gave them those stupid t-shirts and some baby oil and then shut them in a room and told randy savage there's four guys in there who have been slagging off elizabeth <laughs> and calling you and calling you names and then just put a camera in there and let us watch that i would pay oh. now I would pay now in 2023 for a repeat of that pay-per-view to see oh, those guys was, get their asses kicked. That would be so good, mate. Yeah, just to get... We're not a fan of the Beach Boys people. <laughs> we are not at all. We are not at all. Little beach weirdos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, eventually, Sting catches Arn Anderson with a sleeper before Arn counters it into a sleeper of his own. And then Sting then counters that counter with a suplex of his own. And then manages to finally make the hot tag to Luger. And Luger comes in looking fired up as hell. This is a motivated Lex Luger here. This isn't lazy Lex like we saw sometimes in 95. This is motivated, fired up, ready to go Lex Luger. Eventually all six come in the ring and it's just chaos. Before Savage gets hold of the briefcase that has all his money in off the ladies. Nails Benoit from behind. And uh, I think it's Luger makes the cover for the win, Danny. It does. Yeah, it is Lex Luger. And... That was very logical, but I was happy to see, even though I loved the visual of um, Mongo with the briefcase, I was happy to see Randy Savage get his money back because that is a long-term story that's been playing out. And um, all it took for him was to just go down and just snatch it off of uh, Deborah's hands. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, after the match, we have Mean Gene uh, in the ring with the babyface trio, and they're all talking Hogwild and their upcoming contests and so on. Apart from Savage, of course, he's just talking about wanting Hogan, but it's not his turn. Hogan is facing the giant. Sting says he feels mean, which is potentially one of the weakest attempts at you know trying to sound scary for your opponent. And he also says he feels mean... And he knows when the outsiders' birthdays are. So that's good. He can add them to his, his birthday card rotation or calendar, I suppose. But um, I, I found that weird. Um, yeah. I don't know what he meant by that. I'm guessing this is just a far guess. Does he mean he's going to attack them on their birthday to ru- upset them or ruin their birthday? Yeah. <laughs> just trash their cake and pop their balloons. <laughs> but th- that's the thing. <laughs> the thing is, Scott Hall's birthday is in October, or was it in October? And Kevin Nash, I don't know, but I'm, I can't imagine it's in around the pay per view in August. It had to be. Um, yeah, it's like if 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 their um, birthdays were on the pay per view, I would understand why he just dropped that in there. But it just made no sense at all. No, it didn't. It didn't. I mean, Kevin Nash's um, birthday is July the 9th. 
Oh. So just looking it up here. So we've um, we've missed that already. <laughs> and <laughs> so I mean, the, the whole thing Sting was trying to get at. In a way, it's a clever little twist to a promo because it's it's quite smart, but it doesn't work. Uh-huh. I can see what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, I know when your birthdays are, and they're both around the pay per view. So by knowing what your birthdays are, I know what star signs you are. So I've read your horoscopes and it says that you're going to be really miserable come the time of the pay-per-view and you're going to get beaten up and all this sort of stuff. That's what he's trying to say and he's trying to get at because he talks about the horoscopes and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But he just delivers it so poorly and then keeps going <laughs> on about how mean he feels. It's like, oh, mate, come on. <laughs> no, <laughs> but this um, entire segment was... Lex Luger was the star of this. Oh. I loved this Lex Luger promo. I wrote down, this was fucking great from Lex Luger. The best promo I've ever seen him do. What did you think of it, mate? I'm so glad you've pointed that out because it's, at times it feels like I'm singing Luger's praises and people mock me for it. But, <laughs> but you are absolutely on the money. After that nonsense from Sting about birthdays and you know horoscopes and all this sort of crap and feeling mean Luger gets a chance to talk and Gene's holding the microphone for him and Luger's looking straight into the camera pointing and shouting but this again in a similar way to Luger when he tagged into the match he seemed motivated and fired up and ready to go this promo was the same Lex is fired up and I believed everything that came out of Luger's mouth here I genuinely believed he is pissed off with the outsiders when he says he has worked a long time and he has worked really really hard to get where he is i mean first of all i don't think really hard as is anything luger could say about how much he's worked because that's not strictly accurate but okay he's worked fairly hard shall we say (laughs) um to get where he is and you know he, he doesn't like these guys coming in and trying to disrupt wcw and all this sort of stuff I believed everything that was coming out of Luger's mouth here. This is, I, I agree with you as well, Danny. I think this is the best Lex Luger promo we have seen since we started Nitro Nights. Yeah, it was so good. I mean, he outshined the other two. But also, um, just something we, I think we forgot to mention, is a female fan threw, apparently threw her underwear and gets told off by Mean Gene uh, at the yes. beginning. I don't know if you called her. <laughs> Oh, it was so funny. They throw, they throw their underwear in the ring. I don't think it was for Gene. I'm assuming it was for Luger, Sting or Savage, to be fair. <laughs> but who, know, who knows? Maybe maybe people at Disney really appreciate little balding fellows. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but um, he does say, uh, excuse me, madam, that's not, you know, um, you shouldn't be doing that and throwing your underwear in the ring. And Savage grabs the mic and goes, nope, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh dear but that's that's it that's the end of the show that's the end of the show or they go off air so who the fuck was in the limo <laughs> do you know what i never even noticed that down <laughs> who was in the limo where was rick flair where's hogan wow it's, so many questions uh, i suppose danny i suppose with that being the end of the show we better get to our I suppose our summary section, our reviewing of this episode of Nitro with our woos and our old brothers, our positives and our negatives. Brother, 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 brothers, brother, brother. Do you want to go first or second this week, my friend? I'll go second this week, mate. Okie doke. My first of all, my old brother 
is there's there's two and i'm really struggling to split them firstly it's the constant bloody bell ringing at the <laughs> end of these dq matches because it drove me sodding mad it grated me but i think i'm gonna go for the amount of promo packages we had it was just too many it's just too many and if we, i understand I mean, you make a great point danny that the, you know the glacier promo getting replayed makes sense because they had it in hour one then people are turning over for hour two and so on but just roll a different one yeah <laughs> and then and then next week you can use the same two just the other way around so everyone just oh it's just too many promo packages mate what about yeah. your negative mate what's your brother the biggest one was the disappointment I felt when I found out that the leprechaun wasn't Crash Holly because <laughs> <laughs> um, if it, I mean, we, we could throw something out on um, Twitter. The, Crash Holly was leprechaun in the 90, in the mid 90s on the independent circuit. So when I saw this, I was thinking, oh, wow, I didn't know Crash Holly was in WCW. This is really cool. And then I was like, okay, who is? Let's look him up. And I found out it was bloody <laughs> Dwayne Bruce. <laughs> I think you're the only person since this episode of Nitro aired in the history of podcasts and wrestling in general <laughs> to ever say the line. I saw the leprechaun was debuting and I thought this could be really cool. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think anyone else has ever had that feeling. Apart from no. Kevin Sullivan, of course, cause he's the guy who booked it. <laughs> exactly mate. but yeah that was my old brother just that disappointment i felt yeah i get you i get you well no i don't get you i think it's nonsense <laughs> <laughs> my woo this week my positive uh is lex luger i think he's the star of this episode of nitro despite only being on it for a few minutes i think his his time in the ring was pure fire uh, he didn't do much it was a couple of clotheslines and so on but i believed that hot tag and how angry Lex was and so on. And I believe that Lex promo, I mean, it was the best promo we've had from Luger. One of their biggest stars. This was the best promo he's delivered since we started this project of rewatching all of WCW. So yeah, my woo this week goes to the total package, my friend. Yeah. That's great. What about yours? Very much the same. It, it just, it boils down to the um, Lex Luger promo because uh, we sat through a, a quite a fair enough amount of like, just, dross to keep using that term um but that at the end it was like it, i did start falling asleep at this and then at the end it was like wow that lex luger promo that just left you excited but as you said i mean there were so many questions left um to to be asked but um yeah the lex luger promo definitely would be my room fair enough fair enough uh and finally then bud this week's nitro hit miss or middling where are you going High middle for me, mate. Um, really? Was, okay. Yeah, yeah. High middle. Nearly, it was nearly a hit, but some of the matches took it down for me. And um, obviously, the, the Beach Boys promo just was like, nah, I, I don't want to go back and watch this. But um, I mean, you had a main event that was being built all night. You had the storyline that was being built with Ric Flair and uh, just a few good promos and things like that. So it was a high middle, mate. How about you? Oh, see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go completely against you here. This is a miss for me this week. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is a miss. Um, I don't think the Outsiders segment was enough to save the show. And without the Outsiders, I feel we're back in Dungeon of Doom cartoony bullshit. The Eddie Guerrero match was good, 
that aside, I don't think much of the in-ring action was enough to make me go back and watch it again. The main event I enjoyed, but it was just basically three guys beating up Sting. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it just just drops into miss category for me. I don't if I if I never see any of this episode of Nitro again, I'm not going to be gutted. Even the Lex promo was fantastic, and the the outsider stuff I really enjoyed, but it's not enough for for me to be convinced to give this anything other than a miss, my friend. Yeah, that's fair, man. Interesting though, we disagree for a change. That's quite interesting. Mm. There we go. Danny rebelling against the system. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Before we depart, buddy, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you and your awesome content online? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Struggler. You can hear me on One Man's Meet with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on Back When with the great Ty Peters. And you can hear me here next week with the great Ty Powell, where we'll be asking ourselves who was in that limo from last week <laughs> I, 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 do you know what i think there's a strong chance and i hope i'm wrong but i think there's a strong chance knowing wcw we're never gonna find out <laughs> it would not surprise me at all it would not surprise yeah. me at all anything i am involved in which includes the murder of mine podcast uh the doctor who pod um the, the waiting room looking at quantum leap uh chain wrestling all these great shows with fantastic co-hosts who literally they, all these guys carry me through what we do. They really do. The likes of Podfather Mags, Morty, Dan Griffin, you know, all these guys, uh, Benny Mack as well. Anything I'm involved in is via the network that carries this show. And you can find that at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter and also on all of your podcast players, platforms, and providers. Make sure you are checking out all the streams available via the network. So we have the main stream, which all new shows appear on there. So there's something new pretty much every day of your work week. So whether you've got your commute to and from work, or you listen on your lunch break, or you're fortunate enough to have your headphones on, whilst you're earning your pennies, you can listen to a new show from SJP World Media most days. Uh, But also... Each show has its own stream as well. So if you are only interested in Nitro Nights, check out the Nitro Nights stream and you've got the whole back catalogue of this podcast there available for you. The same with the Doctor Who pod and Chain Wrestling and all these others as well. And what I'd really like people to do, it makes a massive, massive difference to the network and the shows, is to go onto your your podcast platforms, your providers, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever. Whatever subscribe to the shows subscribe to the shows you like um i mean on one hand you get notifications then when a new episode drops so you won't miss a show which is uh, from my standpoint i think that's a brilliant feature uh, but secondly if you subscribe you get the option to then leave a review and it would mean a huge amount to everybody involved with the network and with regards to nitro nights a huge amount to danny and i if you subscribe and give us a positive review it really helps with the algorithms online, what shows up when people randomly search for WCW podcast as an example, using this show as, as the example, it, it really benefits us and it doesn't cost you a penny. It, we really, really appreciate it if you would be able to do that for us. And also then go check out our merch store. And it's very similar to the network is run. We have the main page. So there's all the merch from every show available for you to view on the one page. And then several shows have their own 
separate album or separate page on our merch suppliers site as well nitro nights being one of them so if you're just interested in looking at nitro nights merch you can click on that tab and see the shirts and the merchandise available there so you have hoodies t-shirts uh, baseball tops you know all sorts of stuff mugs stickers whatever and each design is available in about 15 different bloody colors and so on and i think there's a little bit of everything a little bit of something for everyone sorry so yeah by all means go and check that out as well the the uh, merchandise link to the store is always in the description for every podcast on the network and it's all over our social media accounts as well and if you see fit if you find something you like then you know if you purchase yourself uh, a, a little a little goodie a little uh, a little surprise present for yourself potentially from our merchandise store you're supporting the network and the shows that the network carries a couple of quid from each thing you buy goes towards the network and the costs of running the sites that keep the network providing you with these podcasts and it's hugely hugely appreciated lastly the show itself you can follow nitro nights at nitro underscore nights on facebook and twitter so make sure you're checking that a follow as well at nitro underscore nights danny I'd love to say it's been a blast, but we've had four weird dudes oiling themselves up on a beach, a fucking leprechaun, and all sorts of other nonsense, and we didn't find out who was in the limo. So I'm afraid I can't this week tell you it's been a blast. It has for me, mate, but we'll see you next week. (laughs) We will indeed. And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening.